Good morning. Welcome to this fourth Sunday of Advent. Christ is near. I feel like there's this tradition in Easter where we say uh, Christ is risen. And you say he's risen indeed. I feel like we need a tradition like that in, uh, in Advent, at least the fourth Sunday of Advent. I was thinking something like Christ is near. Yeah, he's super near indeed. Can we try that? Yeah, he's super near indeed. Okay. Christ is near. Yeah, he's super near indeed. Yes. We'll work on it. That's good. A couple questions for you. Um, one is how uh, many of you, by show of hands, uh, and this is a safe place, have been in, uh, involved or been in a counseling or therapy session before? All right. Quite a bit. Yeah. And what's one of the... What's one of the first things uh, you talk about in a counseling session? You're meeting your counselor, your therapist for the first time. What's, what's one of the first conversations? You should ask Patty's right in front of me here. <laughs> How much does it cost? It's a great question. That is a great question. After you square away that, what's one of the first things you talk about usually? Family, yeah. Family of origin, family tree, your origin might make a genogram. Um, where you're at in your birth order, what was your mom like, what was your dad like, um, what, what were those relationships like? Why, so why rehash all that? Why go back, talk about origins? Um, well, I think a big part of it is you go back t- to go forward. Um, the, the present, I think we can all say, is shaped by our past. So put another way. Who you are, how, how you relate to God, how you relate to people, how you think, how you feel, who you are is shaped by where you've come from. Uh, this is not a new idea. In fact, it's a very ancient one. And one of the biographers of Jesus' life starts off his account by tracing Jesus' origin story. Um, so that's what we're going to look at today is Matthew chapter 1, verse 18 to 25. It's page 675 in your chair Bible. And uh, I took a, it was also the, uh, the passage that Leah led, read so well for us today. Thank you for that, wherever you are, Leah. And uh, this is one of our lectionary texts for today, for the fourth Sunday of Advent. Um, I think it bears uh, noting that this awesome illustration just kind of surprised me when I opened it up. I was like, okay, there it is. I'm not sure what it all means, but it's there. And also, maybe a good time to mention again that these Bibles were given to us, and uh, we're grateful for them. We also call them our Windows 97 Bibles. If you look at the cover, maybe you'll know what I mean. But Let's pray, and then we'll jump right into this text. God, thank you uh, that you're here, that you're with us, and you're for us. Uh, And thank you uh, for... Uh, the work of going back to go forward. And I pray that even today as we go through the scripture, you'd help us to see uh, who we are in this text as we look back. Amen. Well, let's jump right in here. Matthew chapter 1, 18 to 25. Like I mentioned, uh, that's page 675. It says, this is how the birth of Jesus, the Messiah, came about. Uh, Now, just pause really quick there. Birth in Greek is this word up here. 
and you pronounce it genesis. Uh, and if you took it and translated it into English, this is what it would look like. Interesting. Genesis, it literally means Genesis, a birth or origin. If you go to your chair Bible, even at the bottom, there's a footnote. So if you go to the footnote, uh, so you could translate that. This is how the birth of Jesus, or it says the origin of Jesus, the Messiah, was like this. So again, we're reading Jesus' origin story, which is essentially the Christmas origin story. It's like what the Sorcerer's Stone is to the Harry Potter series. It's uh, what A New Hope is to the Star Wars saga. Um, and uh, just out of curiosity, how many people have seen the new Star Wars? Okay, not enough that I can give spoilers. Okay, I just have one quick spoiler. I'm just joking. I see people. So good. I loved it so much. I saw it yesterday. And uh, I want to talk about that today, but I'm not going to. Um, so verse, uh, we're in verse 18, but the first 17 verses, if you look back, is a genealogy. It's a, a list of names. Maybe it looks a little bit normal, like an ancient genealogy would look, but it is not normal at all. There's a, a, the list of people. We can't get into it today, but the, the list of people is interesting. Even the number of people. There's... A, three groups of 14 or six groups of seven, which if you were a first century Jew, you'd be like, oh, interesting, seven, number seven. And Jesus is at the beginning of this final group. So th those are all interesting things. There's many important things that to especially a first century Jew would have been very uh, interesting. So um, you would have heard the word birth or genesis, genesis, and you would have thought back to the first book of the Torah, Genesis. And the first two verses of the Bible say this. Chapter 1, verse 1 and 2. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Now the earth was formless and empty. Darkness was over the surface of the deep, and the Spirit of God was hovering over the waters. The Spirit of God is bringing creation bringing new birth. And in Matthew, I don't know if you saw the parallel there, the Spirit is bringing about a new creation, new birth. And I think it's important to note, since we spent so much time in Acts, uh, in Acts, the Spirit was about in bringing forth the church and continues so. As uh, Barbara Brown Taylor puts it, talking about the Spirit's movement in Acts, tying it into the Christmas narrative. She says about Acts 2, they sucked in God's own breath and they had been transformed by it. The Holy Spirit had entered into them the same way it had entered into Mary, the mother of Jesus. And for the same reason, it was time for God to be born again. Not in one body this time, but in a body of believers who would receive the breath of life from their Lord and pass it on using their own bodies to distribute the gift. And as you read scripture, if you hang out in the church long enough, if you experience God's presence working within your life, you'll notice this pattern start to pop up again 
and again and again, and that is Holy Spirit plus emptiness equals new creation. Holy Spirit plus emptiness equals new creation. I don't, I don't know what you think about when you see this, but this is a pretty awesome formula. I, I'm pretty stoked about it. I want in on this. And um, we're looking at Matthew 1, which is the Christmas origin story, and we're looking at it as the Spirit-induced action, or a.k.a. that time the Spirit took up residency in an empty womb and brought about newness. I th- this, this is my working, uh, the next slide there. That time the Spirit took up residency in a, an empty womb and brought about newness. That's the title of my sermon today, right there. Um, I don't know where you're at, where you've come in, but we have some empty spaces that need to be filled. And personally, in our lives, relationally, um, there's deficit. A lot of times there's lack, emptiness. Uh, Even as a church, as you know, we're going through a season of change. And the the announcement of Lance's resignation left a, a big hole. The big emptiness. And I feel like the word of the Lord today is, uh, he wants to say, watch me fill that emptiness. And I think we can trust him to do that. So the purpose of today, like in therapy, is going back to go forward. We're looking at this ancient text in order to move forward. And not just forward in general, but into this week, into Christmas. Um, we're understanding the past so we can help make some sense of the future. And the more we understand about Jesus, I think the more we actually understand about ourselves. Uh, or as Thomas Merton put it, if I find him, I will find myself. If I find my true self, I will find him. And Matthew, I think, writes this origin story so we can find him and find ourselves in that narrative as well. Does it sound a little bit meta? Yeah, it is. It's kind of strange, but uh, let's keep going on here. We're going to read on in Matthew chapter 1, verse 19. So uh, verse 18, as we read, this is how the birth of Jesus, the Messiah, came about. His mother Mary was pledged to be married to Joseph, but before they came together, she was found to be pregnant through the Holy Spirit. There it is. Mary was found to be pregnant through, or ek, the Holy Spirit. Do you remember this word? I don't know how many of you were here a few weeks ago. Acts 5, we talked about this small little Greek word, ek, which means from or out of, denoting the origin of. Uh, the ek really matters. If the ek was that she was found to be pregnant through another man, that would be interesting. But this is uh, ek, the Holy Spirit. And in verse 19, because Joseph, her husband, was faithful to the law and did not want to expose her to public disgrace, he had in mind to divorce her quietly. In short, Joseph was not stoked. Um, the change was probably a little too much. And he actually, he actually had in mind to kind of bail out. He's like, yeah, I don't know what's going on here, but I think I need to get out. So imagine you're uh, Joseph, you're engaged to be someone, to be with someone, to, to marry them. Uh, your parents probably arranged it. Both of you are probably not older than 16 years old. 
And in that time, there's very strict rules about engagements, the amount of contact you have with that person, uh, certainly not sleeping together, uh, not even allowed to be in the same room alone together in this engagement ritual. And then she says to you, I'm pregnant. And it's the Holy Spirit. I, I don't know how you would take that. Like, yeah, sorry, but I, yeah, I'm not buying it. Joseph is looking out get, to get out. And uh, I, this painting struck me this week. Uh, if we can go to it, the next painting here. Uh, it's called The Nativity. And uh, it's by an artist named Brian Krishiznik, uh, which is a great name for anyone. Um, but uh, I just love uh, this painting. I love how it shows the, the nearness of these angelic beings coming around. But if you notice right in the middle of the painting, just off-center there, Joseph, looking a little distraught, looking a little perplexed, exhausted, overwhelmed. And uh, it's interesting to note, too, in Matthew, the perspective is through Joseph. In Luke, there's another account, which is more through Mary's eyes, but we're looking here through Joseph's, and I think this is a good depiction of what he would have been feeling. And watch how God comes near to Joseph. It's we keep reading in Matthew uh, 1, verse 20. So let's pick up in 20. But after he had considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife, because what is conceived in her is from, or ek, the Holy Spirit. She will give birth to a son, and you are to give him the name Jesus, because he will save his people from their sins. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had said through the prophet. The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. When Joseph woke up, he did what the angel of the Lord had commanded him and took Mary home as his wife, but he did not consummate their marriage until she gave birth to his son, and he gave him the name Jesus. Uh, lots going on in this passage. It's kind of crazy. If you're new to the church or the Bible or Christianity, you're a little bit maybe like, what? Virgin birth? But uh, stay with me. It's really good, and I promise it's going to get better. Um, maybe these words ring true uh, from uh, Tom Wright. He says, for centuries now, many opponents of Christianity and many devout Christians themselves have felt that these stories are embarrassing and unnecessary and untrue. We know many will say that miracles don't happen. Remarkable healings, perhaps there are ways of explaining them, but not babies born without human fathers. This is straining things too far. Yeah, I agree. It's too, is it too crazy? Is it too crazy to believe that Christ could be born of a virgin? Uh, and I want to say that I'm pretty comfortable standing up here in front of you as a pastor, preaching the sermon, saying, I don't know how it happened. I just don't know. And I don't think it matters. Um, I don't have to know. I don't think we have to know. Because understanding, knowing the, the, how the virgin birth happened isn't the point. You can do some more deep diving later if you want to, make your own conclusions, but I want to suggest that leaving 
with uh, further evidence that the story is fact or fiction is not the main thing that we can glean from this origin story. Are you okay with that? Are you okay if I propose that this morning? And I think it's an invitation to embrace mystery. Well, Scott, you're saying that's, that's the easy way out. Embrace mystery. I don't know any other way. <laughs> I, don't, I, I can't embrace fact. I don't know what happened. I don't know how it happened. So I'm choosing to embrace the mystery. And I think when we embrace mystery, we embrace the spirit. As author Pete N says, a faith that rests on knowing, where you have to know what you believe in order to have faith, is disaster upon disaster waiting to happen. It values too highly our mental abilities. Amen for me, by the way. All it takes to ruin that kind of faith is a better argument. And there's always a better argument out there somewhere. Christian faith is trusting in God, a personal being rather than an abstract force. That's why we often refer to faith in God as having a relationship with God, which sounds like a Facebook status update, but it's true. So perhaps the greater truth for us in this is to embrace, embrace the spirit, uh, which means embracing mystery, which I think if we embrace the spirit, we're also um, embracing transformation. Or as Scott Erickson puts it, uh, transformation is a virgin birth. So I'd like to look at it through this lens, transformation as a virgin birth. This image, the next one here, is uh, from Scott Erickson, also known as Scott the Painter. We've often put up his images here. I have to say, I have to do a huge shout-out. Scott the Painter, Instagram, at Scott the Painter, is a great follow, especially now. Just so many great posts about Advent. Uh, he's done this awesome series on Isaiah 9, the wonderful counselor, mighty God, everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Uh, I don't think he's released Prince of Peace yet, but... So many great images and great little reflections, uh, which have really helped me kind of lead me through Advent. Um, but this is what he says. I'm going to leave the image up here, and I'm going to read what he says about transformation as a virgin birth. He says, transformation is a virgin birth. It is nothing that you are in charge of or is laid upon you to muster up the strength to accomplish it begins quietly and deeply within you. A divine inception in the deepest place where your truest life is birthed. This is the place where the divine begins new life. And newness of life is what we all desire. This is the work he is wanting to do in the soul womb of all humanity. Most of us will not get an angel to announce those words to us. But I do think all of us can whisper the statement that the divine is looking uh, to do deep transformation and respiration. May it be done to me according to your word. And he closes with this prayer. I'll pop it up on the screen for you. Is uh, Almighty, I do not know what needs to be birthed in me. I do not even know if I believe that you want to, but I open up the deepest place in me and ask that you would birth transformation in me, whatever that is. May it be done to me according to your word. Can we just pause here um, and pray this? 
the uh, just have a, a sense in uh, the busyness of this time, this season, coming into the last final stretch before Christmas. There's a lot of busyness, a lot of hurry. And uh, I think we do well to pause and just pray this. And so what I'm going to do is just leave a moment of silence. And if you want to, you can read the words again to yourself. Or you can just pray quietly. If you're not into that, you can just sit silently. But let's, let's embrace this moment. Let's just pause and, uh, yeah, experience a bit of peace right now, right here as the sun pours into this room. a deep breath together as we end. Breathe in and out. Breath of life, Rua. As uh, one very astute uh, and important author said, to welcome the Spirit is to say yes to the Spirit's primary work of forming Christ in you, even as he did in Mary. Um, I wanted to put this up here because, A, I love Nelson James Boschman. And uh, I don't know if you noticed, but I'm figuring out different ways to spell your name so that when you publish a book that you'll know how to put your name. I think this is my favorite so far, Nelson J. Boschman. Looks good. Also, we did a series on the Apostles' Creed and uh, uh, Nelson preached a message back then on the virgin birth. So if you want to do, like I said, a little bit more deep dive, you can go there. But out of that came this gem of a quote. To welcome the Spirit is to say yes to the Spirit's primary work of forming Christ in you, even as he did in Mary. Love that. Or as the uh, Christmas carol says, let every heart prepare him room. I don't know if you caught today in the collect. I love that phrase, um, that you, praying to God, you might find a mansion in us. Did anyone pick that up? It kind of stuck out. That's a really cool way of saying to prepare room, make space. Uh, and however you do that, can we try to do that this season, to make space or prepare room? And acknowledging our emptiness, acknowledging ways, uh, purposely making space for the Spirit to occupy uh, again, that formula, spirit plus emptiness equals creation. And a lot of that creation is Christ being formed in you, preparing room for, and in the passage we just read, there's a few names for Jesus that were mentioned. I don't know if you picked up on those. One was Jesus, the Messiah, our Savior. Uh, it says you are to give him the name Jesus because he will save his people from their sins. Uh, acknowledging our deep desire and our deep need for a Savior, that we need a helper. Uh, as the table litany says, each week we cannot save ourselves. We need a Savior. Question for you this morning, what do you need saving from? Or where do you need to be saved? Maybe we can bring that question, hold it before God in the response time. Another name that is mentioned is Emmanuel meaning Christ is near. God is with us. Where do you need Christ to be near? Where do you need to be comforted? What's that empty space you're hoping to be filled? 
And again, I want to close with this uh, image and a writing by Scott Erickson, but I think really well puts this idea of uh, the Emmanuel, God within us, what it means to be uh, making room for him this season. So as we come to the table, uh, just you can look at this image and listen to these words again. Not again for the first time I'm reading them to you by Scott Erickson. He says, I've always loved Christmas. I love the lights, the eggnog, the music, nonstop till the 25th. But again, this year, the brand that we have come to know as Christmas feels void of any real hopeful significance. The world has always been chaotic. But in the midst of a divisive and exhausting political year, images of innocent carnage from multiple mass shootings and acts of terrorism, the overwhelming stream of information that most like, mostly tells us that we're all doomed. Lights, tinsel, and peppermint lattes just don't seem to matter. The curated, clean aesthetics of safe shepherds, safe stables, safe and secure stars, angels, wise men, etc. just don't make sense. That message of hope is an understandable is as understandable as Charlie Brown's parents in this world on the brink of fearful despair. Surprisingly, what is hopeful is the opposite of a polished and well-branded birth story, which is a messy and scandalous vision of vulnerable weakness. Everything about the ground of being incarnating through the vulnerable process of human birth confronts all our ideas of overcoming power. The powerlessness of a writhing, crying newborn, the chaos of not having a sanitized place to birth, the shocking biology of it all, the mucus plug, the placenta, I've witnessed three births and all brought me to tears. It's a beautiful experience, but not in any safe way. The water, the blood, the body fluids. Friends, so much comes out when a baby is born. Like a clown car of human soup. Sometimes, sometimes the mother poops while birthing. It's a detail mostly left out by their baby birth books. A saving way came into the world just like we did in all of goopy humanity. There's something overwhelmingly sacred this year for me to meditate on that. That the Christ was born of blood like we are. That the Christ partook in the powerless vulnerability of coming into the world like we feel. That the Christ was born into the mess which we never seem to get out of. Go Santa, go presents, go manger scenes, go Best Buy gift cards, go all of it. But for me, the magic of Christmas this year is knowing that the saving Christ has always been in the mess with us and still is and always will be. So as we come to the table... Let's remind ourselves of the good news of the gospel. You can read along with me where indicated in the bold. The gospel 
is the good news of God, our Father, the Creator, out of His grace.